Well, hello again, everybody. This is the sixth in our series of David, a man after God's heart. And today we're thinking about trusting God in difficult times. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapters 21 to 26, uh, as David is trying to avoid being killed by Saul. Uh, and we'll focus in on chapter 24 particularly. Uh, let's pray. Lord, all of us face difficult times and we know that Jesus faced much opposition. And we pray that as we think through uh, how David reacted to being pursued by Saul, that you will speak to us about our situation and how we can trust you better. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so last week we were thinking about David's remarkable friendship with Jonathan, Saul's son, and how when Saul turned against David, uh, David had to flee from the king's household as Saul was trying to kill him. Uh, so we're picking up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Uh, David flees first of all to the priest Ahimelech where he picks up some provisions and he's run from Saul without any weapons. He picks up Goliath's sword that he had won all those years ago. And then he decides to go off to Achish, the king of Gath, which may well have been a mistake. Goliath was from Gath. This is Philistine territory. Uh, and he soon realises he's in danger there and he feigns insanity and gets driven away. Uh, then we get to 1 Samuel chapter 22. Let me read to you verses 1 and 2. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. And then in verse 5, the prophet Gad said to David, don't stay in the stronghold, go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. So we also find in that chapter, as well as Dave, David getting his... Uh, brothers come to join him they presumably are under threat from Saul his David's family will all be in trouble and in danger and David makes provision for his parents elsewhere as well uh, then later on in chapter 22 we find that Saul has had the priest Ahimelech killed for helping David and lots of other priests too but Ahimelech's son Abiathar or Abiathar I don't know how you pronounce that uh, escapes and comes to David bringing with him the ephod, the way of finding guidance from the Lord. Uh, so in 1 Samuel 23, we find David inquiring of the Lord where he should go. Abiathar's brought that ephod. The way the high priest used to do it was he would pray and then he would pick one stone or another out of the breastplate, a yes or a no, ask God a question and get a yes or a no. Uh, we are very fortunate to have the Holy Spirit who guides us in different ways. But David now has the means with the priest there of getting better guidance from God. Uh, and God guides him from this point on. Uh, and he escapes Saul to the wilderness of Ziph. And it's in that time that Jonathan comes to comfort him. We looked at chapter 23 verses 15 and 16 last week. But let me read verse 16 again. Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. It must have been terrible. He's had to flee for his life. 
Uh, he's got a large group of men looking to him as the commander now, but they keep on having to move and hide and Saul keeps looking out for him. Uh, and he keeps on moving around. And then we come to 1 Samuel chapter 24 and we'll just sort of focus in on this a little bit more. Let me read it to you. 1 Samuel 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscience-stricken of having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul, and Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord the King! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own hands how the Lord gave you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you've done to me, but my hand will not touch you. And he goes on in verse 15. May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. And Saul agrees that David has been more righteous than him and Saul leaves him alone and goes back. Uh, but not for long. Uh, once again in chapter 26, uh, Saul is hunting David down again and we get a similar incident where David spares Saul's life again. David and one of his close friends creep down into Saul's camp where Saul and all his men are in a deep sleep and David takes Saul's spear and water jug and then they go away to a safe distance and shout down to the camp and say, look, uh, I could have killed you, Saul. Why are you attacking me? And Saul leaves him alone again. Now, we're not sure how long this whole period covers, but it must be several years, the stories that are told here of David in different places and moving around. David is the Lord's anointed, remember. Saul had been anointed, but the Lord had withdrawn from him. David has been anointed as the future king. He's defeated Goliath. He's won great victories as a commander in Saul's army. He's done no wrong, but everything seems to be going against him. How does he cope? Well, there's lots of lessons for us to learn. Uh, we have been adopted into God's family. God has put his Holy Spirit in us. We have these wonderful promises in the Bible about God loving us and blessing us and working for our good. So how do we cope when everything seems to be going wrong, especially when it's not our fault if we haven't done anything wrong? Uh, sometimes people turn against us. Sometimes things don't turn out how we hoped. Sometimes things go on for many years. Uh, let's look at what David did. I've got three things here, two of them quite quickly and then one a little bit longer. 
First of all, David honours Saul. It's quite extraordinary, really. Saul is trying to kill him, but David will not speak against Saul. He will not speak evil about him, and he will not harm him, even though twice Saul was at his mercy and the opportunity presented himself and David's men encouraged David to kill Saul. Now, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Jesus himself had the authorities turn against him and kill him. And all around the world, there are our Christian brothers and sisters persecuted for their faith because they're followers of Jesus. This whole story of David tells us that opposition to God's people is nothing new. God's true followers have often been persecuted and opposed. Uh, many of you will know that one of my heroes is Hudson Taylor, the great missionary who pioneered mission into inland China. And Hudson Taylor says that God often has something to do in us that he can only do in difficult days, uh, some aspect of character that he needs to grow in the shade, as it were, in the dark times. Uh, so in these times, we need to honour those who are making life difficult for us. We need to love them and pray for them. Uh, the second thing that strikes me is that David needs other people around him. Uh, it's really important that he's not isolated. In Genesis 2, God says it's not good for the man to be alone. And that's before sin entered the world. Uh, when we get isolated and over lonely, then things can go badly wrong. We need friends. If we're fortunate enough to have family around who are helpful, that's great. But whether or not we do, we need church family. We all need people who will encourage us. And David has got with him his brothers. He's got Abiathar the priest. He's got Gad the prophet. And he's got a motley crew of others who he's forging into a military force. He's not on his own. And then there's the time where Jonathan comes and spends time with him. And in that great phrase that I read earlier, chapter 23, 16, Jonathan helped David to find strength in the Lord. We need people to help us do that. And we need to help others to do that when they are going through difficult times. So the second lesson here, as well as learning to love our enemies and pray for them and bless them, is not to get isolated our small groups, our trip, prayer triplets, our formations, our prayer partnerships, our friends and family are really important. And it may be that you're not particularly going through a difficult time at the moment. Look out for those who are. Be a good friend to them. There will certainly be times when you will need them, perhaps more than you do now. So those are two quick lessons. Uh, love our enemies the way David honoured Saul and wouldn't hurt him. Uh, we need others around us. But then this third lesson, and this is the main one for day, and this is the most remarkable thing, I think, the way David continues to keep trusting in God, despite all these terrible things happening to him. It must have been several years. He must have felt very low and tired quite often. But the Psalms he wrote tell us that he kept on lifting his eyes to the Lord, even when he gets fed up. I heard recently of a fine Christian man who teaches others about prayer, who as part of his daily quiet time has a time of complaining to the Lord for all the things he's fed up with. Now we've always been encouraged to have a time of praising God and a time of confession and a time of thanksgiving and a time of intercession to pray for others. 
but it's the first time I'd heard of someone structuring a time of complaining into their prayer time. But it makes a lot of sense. There are always things that we're finding difficult and we need to tell the Lord about them and then keep on choosing to trust God. I just spent five minutes as part of this preparation looking through the headings to all the Psalms. You get the Psalm number and then under it there's a little bit in italics that says it's a Psalm of David or Assas or whoever it is. And sometimes it tells you when they were written. And there are uh, somewhere between five and ten Psalms that refer to this time when David is hiding from Saul. Uh, you could flip through them. It would only take you five minutes to see where they are and maybe then just look at one of those psalms and see how David expresses his trust in the Lord. He wrote Psalm 56 when he was in danger from the Philistines in Gath. He wrote Psalm 34 after he pretended to be insane and uh, escaped from Gath. Uh, and Psalm 34 is a wonderful psalm of praise. Verses 4 to 7. David writes, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Then verse 6, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Psalm 54 was written when David was in the desert of Ziph and the Ziphites told Saul where he was hiding. Psalm 54, he cries out, save me, O God, and says, surely God is my help. Psalm 57 was written when he fled from Saul into the cave and he cries out to God, have mercy on me, O God, and says, my heart is steadfast. Psalm 63 was written when he was in the desert of Judah, surrounded by wilderness. And he writes in verse 1, you God are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And he goes on to say, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. And so all the way through these Psalms, you find David in times of trouble, during them uh, as he's in trouble, crying out to the Lord and expressing trust and then rejoicing as God delivers him on each occasion. Uh, just one more, Psalm 142, verse 3. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. And it may be that some of you are at a stage where your spirit is growing faint within you. There may be opposition or difficulty. It may have been going on a long time as it did for David. Refuse to lash out against other people. Honour them and pray blessing on them. Don't let yourself get isolated. We need people around us. Uh, if you're not yet part of a small group or don't know where to look for a prayer triplet, please get in touch with me or Jan and we'll try and link you in. But most of all, turn to God. By all means, have a time of complaining to him. Tell him what's going on. Tell him how fed up you are. David does that often. But then express your trust in God. David's faith is not based on his feelings. They would have gone up and down and at many points been down but his trust is based on God's character and God's steadfast love and faithfulness for him. He's been anointed by God and he's going to wait and trust until the time is right. And so we need to do that too when we're struggling. Uh, learn some of the promises of God. There are so many promises in the Bible. When you find one that God speaks to you through, 
write it down in your journal, learn it. Uh, have your time of complaining by all means, but direct it to the Lord. You might even like to write your own psalm, looking through these psalms that David wrote and picking out verses that you could make yours. Whenever you find a verse where the I or the me is the something you could say, write that down and make that your own psalm. If you're discussing this in a small group uh, or a prayer triplet, uh, you might like to ask, what are some of the favourite promises that you hold on to? What do you think of having a time of complaining? Uh, how long do you think it went on for that David was in the wilderness hiding in different places from Saul? How good are you at loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you? Is there anybody you can go and help find strength in the Lord? Or what do you make of this idea from Hudson Taylor that there are some aspects of godliness in us that God only grows in difficult times and that often that's when he helps us to become more like Jesus? Uh, lots of things we could talk about from, from these chapters. But first, let's just pray together. Oh God, our Father, we thank you that the Bible is so realistic that David, one of the great heroes, your anointed king, who had a heart that you loved, went through so much difficulty for so many years. We see it in Jesus too, times in the wilderness and people opposing him, and even to the point of crucifixion. We pray that you would help us to trust you when we are going through difficult times. We pray especially for any for whom this has been going on a long time, even maybe several years. And we pray you'd give us grace not to lash out at other people, even if they're making life difficult for us, but to love them and pray for them. Uh, help us to be good friends to others and bring others to us who can support us. But most of all, may we look up to you and express trust in you as David did in the Psalms. And uh, will you grow in us that character of Jesus, even in this difficult, these difficult days, and bring us through whatever it is we're facing now? And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.